You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are through one week of college basketball. It's time to do a quick check-in. Which prospects have seen their stock rise during the first week? and which prospects, unfortunately, have seen their stock fall a little bit. Stay tuned, and I will let you know. You are locked on the NBA Draft. As always, it is your host, Sam Ferris, here to join you on this Wednesday morning. And yes, we are through one week of college basketball. We are right in the swing of both college basketball and the NBA. It's prime time for us. A lot to check in on, on these prospects, and uh, the way that we're going to do it today, I kind of wanted to set it up as a little bit of a fun game. We're going to do, in the first segment, we're going to do stock rising, and I'm going to talk about, just briefly, about five guys that, to me, have seen their stock rise during the first week of college basketball. In the second segment, I'll do guys that, unfortunately, I do believe have seen their stock fall a little bit. It's just part of the prospect. Some guys rise, some guys do fall. It's not a permanent thing. It's only been one week. So we're going to do that quick check-in during the first two segments. In the final segment, just briefly, I want to talk about uh, one rookie in the NBA and a potential record he might be able to break this season. Uh, But thank you for making the Locked On NBA Draft Podcast, your first listen today and hopefully as well, that is the case every day. Uh, Our title sponsor today is a new one. It's called Calm. Today's episode is brought to you by Calm. And for a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron James in using Calm and get a 40% discount off a premium subscription. Go to calm.com slash NBA. Uh, So without further ado, let's get into the guys. Like I said, I'm going to do five guys that have gone, seen their stock rise, uh, because I prefer to focus more so on the positives than the negatives. And I'm just going to hit on three guys uh, in the more negative section later on in the podcast. Uh, Just a couple things to hit on first. It's only been a few games, two or three games for all these guys. So obviously, small sample size and... Something we can tend to do both as fans of the sport but also as evaluators is uh, we've been waiting so long to see these guys play. There's so much excitement building up to the season. I I do think we can sometimes put too much emphasis on the first few games of the season, especially when you consider that lots of times these guys are playing against pretty low levels of competition. So just something to keep in mind, a little bit of a grain of salt there as we get into it. And then the other thing I'll add is, again, it's two or three games, and part of our job as as draft analyst is deciding, you know, this very small sample we're seeing, is this a real improvement? Like, is this who the player really is? Or is this just a small sample, a little bit of noise, that's going to balance out over the remainder of the season. So, you know, as I go through the guys that I think have seen their stock rise and fall, I'm going to talk about whether I think, uh, you know, the reasons for that and whether I think some of that is sustainable as far as I can tell at this point. So these guys are not necessarily ranked in any particular order, but 
I will say, I'm going to start with a guy that I have to give myself a bit of a W on. He was, he's a guy I've talked about multiple times, both on Twitter. Again, you can follow me at Draft Dummies on Twitter. I'm constantly there posting clips, posting stats, my thoughts. Um, and, and this is a guy I talked about as maybe my favorite, you know, after Jaden Ivey, after Benny Matherin, maybe my favorite returner. And uh, that's Keegan Murray. He has been on fire to start the season. Again, grain of salt. It's been Longwood, UMKC, and yes, North Carolina Central. Just yesterday, he finally, you know, played a, a full minutes load last night, 37 minutes. And yes, he went out and put out 27 points, 21 rebounds, and four blocks. He's been consistent throughout the games, consistently awesome. He's averaging 25 points, but he scored 27, 25, and 24, you know, putting up uh, the rebound numbers as well, but the block numbers have been off the charts too. I think his block rate right now is at 13, which is very, very good for kind of a modern four that I think he is, but uh, he's just been very consistent. He's been super efficient. Um, and so as I look into right now, how it is that he's putting up these numbers, uh, it stands out pretty clear right now that he is getting to the rim at will. <coughs> he's basically playing like a mini Zion Williamson against this low level of competition. Uh, uh, almost like 70% of his shots. Uh, I checked this before the game today, or I'm recording uh, Tuesday night. This episode will come out Wednesday morning. Uh, before the game today, he had taken 22 of his 29 shots at the rim. That, to me, is awesome to see that he's able to get that to the rim that much. And, you know, having watched, uh, I watched one uh, full game of his and then kind of just his highlights in the second game. <clears throat> and that, uh, the eye test agrees with the numbers that he's getting to the rim that much. Is that sustainable? Certainly not to that level. He's not going to take over 70%, like 80% of his shots at the rim. And also, what's he shooting at the rim this year? He's shooting 68%, 21 of 31 through three games with eight dunks as well. So that that probably, <coughs> just to me, is not going to be sustainable. Yet, you still have to say he's been insanely good. A box plus minus of 20, which would have been like the highest of any of the the top guys that were drafted last year and that box plus minus number is a number that's a pretty good indicator as well so to me if i had to rank and again i'm not ranking all of these guys keegan murray was a guy i loved coming in keep in mind he is a sophomore but he is a little bit older at this point for a sophomore so yes i expected a jump yes i've still be still been surprised by just the magnitude of the numbers he's putting up so Let's uh, let's keep this in mind. Let's see how often he can still get to the rim and finish against good competition. I still expect those numbers to be really good. So I viewed him as like a borderline first-round pick coming in. I, so I did view him as a first-round pick, but certainly later in the first round. If he continues playing like this, he could play himself into the middle of the first round or lottery. All right, moving on to number two. The guy here to me that will be highest on my board, I've talked about him before. I give myself a lot of W's because I make a lot of mistakes in my evaluation like a lot of people do. Part of the business, 
But another guy that I was higher on than the consensus coming in, Jabari Smith out of Auburn. A 6'10", again, I think a modern four in my opinion. A guy I've comped him to early is Richard Lewis. So if you've watched the NBA now for, well, like 15 years, you might remember him playing for the Sonics Heat Magic. Uh, kind of more of a stretch forward, but he is very skilled, very talented, and has played very well defensively as well. So just makes sense as a fit in the modern NBA. Uh, starting at high level with the stats, he also is averaging 15.5 points, eight rebounds per game, one and a half blocks, three and a half steals. So he's putting up good numbers. Uh, again, these are Moorhead State and Louisiana Monroe, but still the same box plus minus is Keegan Murray at 20, which is outstandingly good through two games. Been uh, very consistently good in both. I had him as a top four guy coming in to college this college basketball season, which was certainly higher than the consensus. To me now, I think I'd have him number two. Uh, the way that I have my board early on right now is I have Paolo number one, Boncaro. Then I have Chet Holmgren and Jabari Smith in my second tier. I lean Smith ahead just because of his fit in the modern NBA ahead of Chet Holmgren. But this guy is a very good prospect. He's been doing it in all facets. Uh, shot five of eight on threes early on. Like I said, both the the uh, defensive indicators as well of, as the film has been very good. Uh, but he's just a guy that you see and it screams NBA. The way he can get to his jump shot both uh, off the catch but off the dribble, it looks so good for a guy his size. Um, he, he had a, a couple of plays that had been going viral. One of them where he takes the ball full court off of a rebound, goes behind the back, and then a beautiful finish at the rim. But just the translatability with that jump shot at six foot ten, with fluid athleticism and a guy that's proven he can defend at a high level, that's what teams are looking for in the NBA. And he's been even better than expected so far. So he's number two. Uh, I'm not going to be able to go this long on each of the guys. In fact, I'm going to mention third Harrison Ingram from Stanford, a freshman that a lot of people didn't think would be a one-and-done guy, but he's been Stanford's best player so far. Another guy that's kind of a modern four in the NBA at six foot eight. He's shot the ball well, been efficient. Again, these games have come against poor competition, but he's averaging eight po 18 points, eight rebounds. That's Harrison Ingram. Don't have too much time right now to get into him, but I will be revisiting him on another date. Just wanted to shout him out as a guy that has exceeded expectations early. Uh, the fourth guy I'll mention here is another guy that I was higher on than the consensus. A guy I talked about as having as a lottery guy on my board when most guys, most people didn't see him as maybe even a one and done guy, but if so, certainly not really like a tw top 20 pick. That's Kendall Brown out of Baylor. Uh, we've got a bit of a through line here, parallels on each of these guys, because he also is a four-man, I believe, in the NBA. He's 6'8", maybe 6'9", very good athlete on the wing. Um, he is, again, just killing it at the rim. That's where he gets to his offense. It's been against... Nickel State and Incarnate Word, if you have ever heard of that college, to blow out wins for Baylor. So again, Kendall Brown, I loved him coming in for 
the defense and the athleticism, kind of the early comp you could give him would be an Aaron Gordon type guy. Um, but I'll tell you what, the thing that has surprised me and really stood out to me with Kendall Brown is the ability to put the ball on the deck and also make decisions in pass. Let's see, what's he averaging just in raw numbers? He he had six assists in his last game. He's averaging three on the season, but his assist rate is almost at 21%, which means, uh, so 21% as an assist rate for a four-man is very good. 21% of his teammates' baskets are being assisted by him while he is on the floor. That's a great number. That looks pretty similar to, oh wait, sorry, I'm on, uh, I'm on Harrison Ingram's page. Let me go on over. Kendall Brown, 38.5% assist rate, excuse me. 10 assists in his last game he had against Nichols State. And so that's been what's surprising. And in the modern NBA, we talk a lot about spacing. We say that you can't have two non-shooters on the floor at the same time. Well, you know, shooting is the easiest way to space the floor, but there are other ways that you can space the floor. Shooting is just kind of like a proxy we use for spacing because it's kind of the easiest way to generate space and gravity as an off-ball guy. But to me, a big that can dribble and pass is very important and it's harder to teach. Like shooting is a skill that can be worked on, can be taught and learned through repetition and improved. You know, your feel for the game, especially at that size, and your handle is something that just cannot usually be improved to that extent. And so the ability to put the ball on the deck and make the right decision is a way that you can keep an advantage alive. Because Kendall Brown isn't going to be a guy playing on the ball all the time in the NBA, especially. He's going to be off the ball. But as a guy that can catch the ball off the catch can attack a closeout, dribble the ball and make a good decision, or do those things, uh, you know, off of a rebound, off of a made basket even, just in a full-court scenario, just to be able to keep advantages alive and make the next play. That, to me, is more important in this, at this point in his career as a prospect than shooting, um, because we see so many prospects every single season most of the prospects, when we look at what's the swing skill, it's shooting the ball. How well can they shoot? But there aren't that many guys at 6'8", 6'9", with his athleticism, his ability to handle the ball and make decisions. So he is number four on my stock up through the first week of college basketball. Um, as always, I'm talking a little too much on each of these guys. So I'm going to bump my fifth guy to the, to the next section. And I'll get also to the guys that I think have seen their stock decline a bit. But before we do, let's get a message from our sponsor that you heard about earlier. It is Calm. When it comes to athletes, we tend to focus on physical fitness, but there's another side that's just as important. That's mental fitness. Calm is the number one app for sleep and meditation, has teamed up with LeBron James to help you train your mind and become the champion version of yourself. LeBron and Calm know that your mind is like any other muscle in your body, but you don't have to be a world champion to learn how to train it. So if you head to calm.com slash locked on NBA for a limited time, you will get 40% off a Calm premium subscription. Again, 
For a limited time, our listeners can join LeBron and using Calm and get a 40% discount on a Calm premium membership at calm.com slash NBA. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar ever. I love Thanksgiving. I'm ready for Thanksgiving break to come up. Thanksgiving is all about food. It's all about treats. So why not treat yourself to a Built Bar? I've had a bunch lately. Uh, they sent me another package, including blueberry muffin, which is pretty interesting, and I, I love the taste. So during this holiday season, give yourself a treat. Feast on something delicious and also something you can feel good about. Built Bar is a great option for when you're hungry, and it also is very nutritious. Um, there's nothing like a Built Bar Black Friday as well. Mark your calendar. Black Friday will be also a huge event with a lot of sorts, with many different sorts of surprises. So our offer, again, is go to Built.com, use promo code LOCKED15, and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Okay, so the final guy that I wanted to get to in the stock up section of this podcast, number five is F.A. Abogidi out of Washington State. This team is a team to keep your eye on in the Pac-12. I do think they're going to be a potential tournament team. They're much improved. They have a very good defense. And F.A. Abogidi is what I would call the anchor of that defense. And I think he even was going back to last year. He is a guy that I had talked about as a guy that could, you know, potentially play his way into being a second round pick. And I think he is on his way to doing that this year. Um, it's been some blowout wins for WSU. So he hadn't played too many minutes as of late, but another guy that's posting a box plus minus of 15 and 18% block rate, which is, going to be among the leaders in college basketball at this point in time, been very effective around the rim. What Abo Giddy is, is a 6'10 big that's going to roll to the basket offensively, and then defensively, he's going to protect the rim. You know, there's hope with his athleticism. He'll be able to switch at the NBA level, but that's just always a bit more difficult to predict, and so that's not something we really can guarantee or even predict at a high kind of assurance level at this point. But the athleticism, the springiness, the twitch around the rim for him is really good at six foot ten. I do see him as a center in the NBA because of his more limited skill set offensively. He's again just more of a role kind of <coughs> vertical lob threat at the rim uh, in college, especially at this point. Coming off his best game, it was actually a pretty close game against a decent UC Santa Barbara school. Put up 18 points, also six blocks. He's averaging four blocks per season. Rebounds the ball, especially does a good job on the offensive side of the glass too. And also has pretty good hands def defensively. He's going to get more steals than your classic big. And so the other things when we look into how he's been able to start off this season so well for the through the first three games... The crazy block rate, the defense is there. Also, the free throw rate at this point has been pretty ridiculous. Uh, he's shooting, he shot uh, 14 free throws in just like 60 minutes so far. That free throw rate is at 93% right now, which is uh, a number that certainly will not hold up, but is very impressive so far. So 
if on top of a guy that's just going to be on top of the rim dunking the ball, if he can also get to the free throw line, knock those down, he shot the ball at 80%, over 80% from the free throw line last year and at 79% this year. So there is kind of that hope that that can be an indicator that he can extend the jump route as well. And so F.A. Abogidi is another guy to keep an eye on that to me right now would be a second round pick and could continue to potentially play his way even further up the board. And frankly, WSU is a team to keep an eye on. Uh, so just to summarize the five guys that are stock up so far is Keegan Murray out of Iowa, Jabari Smith, Auburn, F.A. Abogidi, WSU, Harrison Ingram, Stanford, and Kendall Brown out of Baylor. So I don't want to dwell as long on the stock down. I don't like necessarily talking about the negatives as much, but it's part of the job. We have to evaluate and analyze these guys. And I'm going to try to talk about why that's been and if I think maybe that the situation will or certainly has a reason to believe that their situation will improve. Uh, first one is Peyton Watson. He is, he's a wing, you know, that traditional exciting two-way potential wing with good size that NBA teams want to get their hold on. There is a dearth of those in the NBA, and they're so valuable when you can find good ones. Um, he, he did play for the U.S. under-19 FIBA World Cup team and and was pretty underwhelming there as well, too. He's a guy that a lot of people have thought could play his way into being like a top half potential potential top half of the lottery draft pick. I personally was never quite that high on him. The way I kind of see it with him at this point is, you know, sometimes we kind of can confuse the player himself with the archetype. And with Peyton Watson, we want to see the two-way wing. We see the athleticism. We see the energy. We see the physical tools. Uh, but he's just not quite actually that level of a player yet. Uh, he he went to a UCLA team that's very good. They're number two in the country behind Gonzaga, and I think they are legitimately that good. And so they with Mick Cronin there, they're just not going to play a guy that's going to make mistakes that uh, isn't necessarily going to contribute to winning at the highest level at this point in time. He's made a few mistakes when he's gotten to play. So I think he's gone from looking like a potential top 10 pick to now wondering, you know, with the minutes he's getting, because right now I think he's only played 10 minutes per game and against the better competition so far, like against Villanova, even less than that, averaging a mere... Two points, two rebounds so far, and 16% shooting from the field. Negative 2.3 PER. So it's just been all negative for him so far. At this point, we got to wonder if he's even going to be drafted. Like, is he just going to play enough to be drafted? That's the question with Peyton Watson. Um, and with him, it's hard to see him, uh, like, as they get into, like, the Pac-12 play and play consistently against decent teams... I do think he can help them if he kind of hits his ceiling as a freshman, but I just don't see Mick Cronin playing him more than like 10 to 15 minutes off the bench. And if that's the case, it's going to be hard for him to get in a rhythm, prove himself, and really become a prospect this year. So that's why the stock is down on him. As much for the skill and what he's shown, it's just the lack of playing time at UCLA. All right, moving on. Number two, it is Jaden Hardy playing for the G League Ignite. Uh, 
he was a guy that I was pretty high on. I did view him as a top half of the lottery pick coming in. And the issue so far is he's shooting 27% on twos through three games in the G League. We know he can shoot. He is a little undersized for a two at like six foot four. And I, I do think when a lot of people viewed him as a top five, some people even as a top three pick coming in, I do think a lot of people had this fresh memory of Jalen Green. Similar size guards, kind of look similar out there on the court, um, and, and play the same position, similar height, and also both went to the G League. Uh, but Jaden Hardy is certainly just not that level of athlete, and that's what we've seen so far. He's struggled to get to the rim, and again, 27% on twos is certainly not going to cut it, and that's been pretty worrisome. That, to me, has been what I've seen on film as well. You know, I love the jump shot. I love the ability to create his own jumper on the perimeter, but if he's struggling to that extent inside the arc against, like, G League guys, uh, again, it's only been a few games we're going to continue to watch throughout the whole season. That number is going to go up. It's not going to be 27%, but I certainly don't think it'll be above, like, 45%, and that that is a bit worrisome, so... That number, just his percentage inside the arc, is what I'll be keeping my eye on throughout the season. But, like I said, that number's going to improve, but to what extent is the question. I, and I am worried, like, on the panic meter, I'd be at, like, a 6 out of 10 with him. And I would move him down now, certainly outside of the top half of the lottery. I can still see him playing his way into the back half of, of the lottery, but... He's just not kind of the premium, premier scoring guard that I think I kind of thought he was, and that's what I've seen through three games. Again, it, it's not all over for him. He's still going to be drafted, and I love the shooting ability. He's one of the best shooting prospects in this class, but just at six foot four, it's hard to really contribute in other ways in the NBA, so he's really going need, to need to score at a high level, and so... Let's just keep our eye on that two-point percentage and his rim numbers throughout the rest of the G League season. Okay, moving on now to number three. We just covered Peyton Watson. We just covered Jaden Hardy. This is a guy, uh, he, he plays for Duke. It, it's A.J. Griffin. He is another guy similar to Watson in that he just hasn't gotten too many minutes so far. He's only averaging two points and a rebound in nine minutes. Now, he, he's been injured for a lot of the past two seasons, and he even was injured in the preseason. I know I didn't think he would even be back this soon, so it's good to see him back, but the limited minutes, and he just, he's looked not quite as big as I expected out there, not very explosive and very hesitant. Now, a lot of that could be with the injury, so we're going to keep our eye on that, and that's why with him... I have a little bit more reason to believe in some upward trajectory moving forward. But I, I did have him, I think, fifth on my board coming in, and I do think that was too high. Now, I and many evaluators talked about him as having the highest variance probably of any pros <coughs> prospect just because of how often he'd been injured over the last few years, and we just weren't quite sure what we would expect. I said... Uh, you know, I think he could go top five, but I also could see him maybe not even being a one-and-done guy or maybe a guy that's kind of end of the first is a bit of an upside gamble. Um, but there was some bad news today in that 
Paulo Boncaro got in a little bit of trouble as he was a passenger in a DWI incident. I'm not sure if he's going to miss time, but that could be a little bit of a road to some more playing time, especially at the at the four position for AJ Griffin. So I do think there's going to be more opportunity. I do think he's going to continue to heal and his body is going to improve and look just a bit more comfortable and explosive out there. So out of these guys, uh, I do believe we're going to see a little bit more positivity and a bit of a, you know, uptick for AJ Griffin. But I, I, I think at this point I'd have Jaden Hardy ranked above him just because of the injury concerns and uh, just kind of the worrisome early signs we've seen with him. But I would have AJ Griffin ranked above Peyton Watson kind of in that order. And so those are the three guys that I wanted to touch on as just uh, a little bit of a slow start and just keep guys to keep an eye on. And uh, unfortunately, it has been a down start for them. But I do believe that uh, to some extent, at least they will have a bit of a bounce back. All right, coming up after this break, the final segment, I just want to quickly discuss a rookie in the NBA who's started to play a little bit better and maybe a record to potentially keep our eye on. But first, a word from our sponsor. It's betonline.ag. We're back and better than ever. They've got a new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. It remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. Head over to the new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus. Just use promo code locked on to receive that bonus. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Again, bet online where the game starts. All right, the final segment, I wanted to just transition a bit and talk a little bit about one of the rookies. And yes, it's uh, maybe the most famous rookie out of all of them in the NBA, Cade Cunningham, the guy that most had number one on their boards. I myself had number one on my board. Now, yes, it sucked having him injured with that ankle sprain to start the season. And we know he had a rough, you know, first couple games after that, but he's coming off probably definitely, in my opinion, his best performance. 25 points, eight rebounds, eight assists, two steals, five of 11 from three, 10 of 20 overall. Yes, listeners, to me, that sounds a lot more like a Cade Cunningham stat line for a game. So yes, it does turn out that uh, if a guy misses the whole preseason camp and he's coming back off an injury, we should give him a few games to maybe round into shape, look a better, and uh, maybe we shouldn't judge a guy off of their first few games. And frankly, just taking a step back, think about how nervous, how excited you'd be to play in your first few NBA games. I mean, there's no way I could function appropriately and like actually have a good game. I know for me, it would take a while just to get adjusted. So we just need to give these guys some times. Nevertheless, many of these rookies have been very impressive so far. And Cade is rounding into shape. I would certainly hear argues for Evan Mobley. I've been so impressed. Like if you want to move him all already after just a, a few weeks up to like number one in a redraft, go ahead, suit yourself. I certainly don't really blame you. Mobley has been fantastic. Uh, shades of a young Kevin Garnett. 
But we're here to talk about Cade Cunningham today for the last few minutes. So yes, give him, give him some more time. We're going to see some more Cade, Mo, Cade Cunningham excuse me, games moving forward. But the, the reason I wanted to talk about him today is because uh, as I was sitting in the hot tub in the backyard today and pondering on the great sport of basketball, uh, I thought about how, you know, more three-point shots are attempted now than like 10, 12 years ago. And I started thinking about the rookie record for three-pointers made in a season. And I looked it up and, well, I already knew this, but I just couldn't remember the exact number because uh, it, it's been set rather recently. In fact, Donovan Mitchell has the record at, uh, if you guys want to go ahead and guess in your minds before I reveal this, this to you, go ahead and pause your podcast for a few minutes, for a few seconds. So Donovan Mitchell made 187 threes as a rookie. That's the record. Number two, Dame Lillard, 185. Number three, Sadiq Bey, 175. Number four, Anthony Edwards at 171. And Luka at 168. So these have all been in the last like three years, except Dame Lillard, uh, like, what is that? Nine years ago now. Man, time goes by fast. So... So 187, like that's not that impressive. So I kind of went into the numbers and basically even with the really poor start that Cade had where, you know, over his first, over his first, let's see, I'm pulling it up right now in basketball reference. Over his four, first four games, Cade shot 23% from the field and 14% from three. It was just a super rough start. Even factoring that in, those have been half his games. He's played eight now. Like he's still shooting, like he's his numbers are still low in terms of the percentages, but he's making two threes per game. If he can bump that up to two and a half threes per game and stay healthy the rest of the year, uh, let's see, what's like 2.5 times 74? So if he plays around 74 games, that's going to come out to 185 threes, and that will what did we say the record's 187 so if he stays right around just slightly above the poor start that he's had if he just maintains that and makes two and a half threes per game which uh, i think he can do then he's going to be right there at the end of the season uh again this comes with a clean bill of health he's going to have to play the rest of the season he's already missed what like six games or so four five six games to start the season but uh, I'm going to go ahead and predict that he at least finishes top three. Um, so he'll he'll at least pass his teammate, Sadiq Bey, who had 175 last year. And uh, I think it'll be interesting. I'm going to keep my eye on this. I think he's going to be able to challenge for number one, take Donovan Mitchell's throne potentially. So just wanted to alert you guys to this, a fun kind of uh, little history lesson in the NBA only 187 threes is the record by Donovan Mitchell. Can Cade Cunningham take <coughs> break that record? To me, um, I think there's a good chance he does. We just kind of went through the math on that. And that's even including the very poor start. We're going to see him start to shoot better. And I think, let's see, let's look at his numbers. Let's exclude the first four games. And let's look at just the last four games for Cade Cunningham. He is shooting... 47% from the field and making over three, I think three and a half threes per game. So 
I don't expect him to quite stay on that hot of a streak, but um, as we said earlier in the podcast and did, it's stock up for Cade Cunningham. It's no surprise. And he might just break a fun little rookie NBA record. So that is all for the show today. Thank you for tuning in. We had a fun check-in on some prospects. Some guys I was higher on than the consensus. Some guys I have been surprised by as well. Thank you for taking the time to make the Locked On NBA Draft Show your first listen today and hopefully every day. Uh, For those of you listening, yes, I've been coughing throughout. I was tested negative for COVID. I've just had... uh, Thankfully, I tested negative for for COVID. I've just had a bit of a lingering cough that I'm trying to get over. Uh, So hopefully that goes away. But go ahead and follow me as we finish up here. Follow me on Twitter at Draft Dummies. If you want to see the clips that I'm posting, the stats, uh, some of my thoughts, both on the young guys in the NBA that I love to continue to follow, as well as the next crop of guys that will be in the draft over the next couple of years. Always watching a lot of college basketball and a lot of NBA. Uh, It's just what I love to do, and I'm sure many of my listeners love to do the same. Because you listen to this show, I'm sure (coughs) you will also enjoy a show called The Locked On Bets. It is your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked On Bets, hosted by your boy Q, with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. So thank you listeners for tuning in. Have a good rest of your day. Appreciate it.